We devote a chapter to housing. Why? Because more likely than any other item on your uh, cash flow statement, this one's going to be the biggest <laughs> expense. And for, for the majority of Americans, their housing expense is the biggest expense. And the Washington Post reported that a third of Americans now spend at least 30% of their income on housing. That's the federal definition of an unaffordable, unaffordable housing burden. Excuse me, Cal Sandy, they don't live in San Diego, do they? No, the Washington Post folks. Some San Diegans spend 40-50%. Why? Because we get paid less than the folks in Washington and our housing is about the same. Might be a little cheaper in some areas. Washington is pretty expensive. Slide number two. Evaluating housing alternatives. Your lifestyle and your choice of housing. Well, <laughs> wouldn't we all love to live in the house of our dreams up on the hill overlooking? Yeah, well, it's nice to dream. How you spend your time and money, your lifestyle affects your housing choice. Personal preferences are modified by financial factors. That's right out of the book, isn't it? They have this, they have this wonderful... Uh, habit of understatement. The traditional financial guidelines suggest you spend no more than 25 to 30 percent of your take-home pay on housing or no more than two and a half times your annual income for a home. <laughs> the authors obviously don't live in San Diego. Slide number three. Rent or own. Evaluating housing alternatives. You're going to be inundated by an industry that wants you to buy a house, the real estate and uh, industry. And they're going to tell you that you are just throwing your money away if you rent. Now, I understand where they're coming from, but are you really throwing your money away when you rent a house? If you believe you're throwing money away when you buy food, or clothes, because <laughs> the food just, you know, you don't get to keep it, and the clothing eventually falls off. No, it's one of the three main, main things you need. Food, clothing, and shelter, and, and internet access. And renting is just another way of gaining that. Unless you want to live outdoors, you got to either rent or you got to own. And so there are some advantages to renting. Mobility. Yes, if you're thinking of moving within the next year or so, don't buy. Oh my goodness, wait till you see all the things you got to go through when you buy a house. You definitely don't have to worry about maintenance costs, and there are much lower initial costs. All other things being equal, and they never are, it is almost always cheaper to rent than it is to own. In the short to intermediate term. Now, in the long term... It can be much cheaper to own over the long term. And we're talking 5, 10, 20 years. I had a real estate agent in my class once who started jumping up and down and saying, What are you trying to do? You're trying to get people not to buy a house? That's not it. Not at all. I just want people to understand 
their options and and if you do decide to rent understand the the advantages and disadvantages and if you do decide to own think about the people who said during 2005 6 and 7 no thanks i don't want to buy it's too darn expensive yeah the people who bought during those times well we'll see later there's some of them are still tearing their hairs out what are the disadvantages? Well, uh, you know, as the real estate agents are going to say, few financial benefits. But as we just showed, as we just, just spoke of, sometimes that's not always true. Especially if you rent as something modest, you're going to spend a whole lot less than if you buy something not so modest. And what if you were to put that away and invest that in other things, maybe in a business or, or as when we get to investments, traditional forms of investments. Um, no growth of equity, that's true. You know, your house during normal times does appreciate. Are these normal times? Hopefully the normal times will come back. Restricted lifestyles, well, yes, it's not your house. But then again, some people who own have restricted lifestyles. There's the lease. Oh boy, the lease. We'll take a look at the lease. And then the security deposit, utilities, renter's insurance. Do most renters buy renter's insurance? The book says it's 40%. I have a hard time believing that. Slide number four, the search. Compare the area, the rental cost for your needs. Compare the cost of the units. And here's a tip that many people don't do. Talk to current or past residents. I remember several years ago when people were saying, Oh, downtown's really getting revitalized. Let's move downtown. And the first night, when that train whistle in the middle of the night went off, they just, you know, <laughs> jumped out of bed. Uh, we live in Ocean Beach, and we can hear it in the middle of the night sometimes from O'Beef, six miles away. Before signing a lease, make sure the lease dates, costs, and facilities are clearly represented. Now, the book suggests that you talk to a lawyer about unclear lease aspects. If somebody snuck something in there that they can't explain to you to your satisfaction, it's probably not a good sign. So uh, I don't know if I'd want to go with them. But if you need to, you remember, you're, the judge isn't going to ask you if you read or understood the contract the least. They're going to ask if you signed it. Note in writing signed by the landlord the condition of the rental unit. Now, a good landlord is going to ask you to do a walkthrough and say okay tell me the things that you think are not right and you take some pictures and and write it all down whoever signs that lease can be legally held responsible for the full amount of the rent so if, if you have a roommate or the worst decision of your life marrying a jerk and they skip out of town guess who they can come after uh-huh that's absolutely right kids you so remember, everybody is responsible for the lease, no matter who is skipped out. So you might get left holding the bag. The thing I really love is if you read the lease carefully, you'll see that if you abandon the uh, apartment or house or whatever you're leasing, this is standard language, folks, you can still be held liable for the entire year's worth of year lease, say, but... Since you abandoned it, the, the landlord can rent it out to somebody else. Change the locks. And you can... Be, mm, 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 
doesn't sound very fair to me. I don't know how it's legal, but it is. Slide number five. Here are some of the legal details of a lease. Description, address of the property, name, address of the owner, the landlord, name of the tenant, effective or tenants, effective date and length of the lease, amount of security deposit, amount and due date of rent, location where the rent is due, date and amount for late rent payments, listed of included utilities, appliances, restriction on certain activities. The right to sublet the unit. Well, that's not too big a problem here in San Diego. But on the East Coast, that's a coveted provision uh, where it's very difficult to find. It's in New York, New York, where it's so hard to find an apartment or another place to rent. You want to be able to sublet the unit in case you're leaving for a year or something. You want to be able to get it back. And then conditions under which the landlord may enter the rental unit. They have to, in California, I don't, I don't know about other states, but this, they have to give you 24 hours notice. Now, unless it's an emergency. Someone said, the water is overflowing, the water is overflowing. Quick, let's enter the place, get the key from the landlord. But, um, but normally they can't just barge in. They have to give you 24 hours. Who does the lease exist to protect? You, the renter? No, folks. The lease is there to protect the landlord. Now, it can protect against rental increases. You have a year lease, right? Okay, great. But normally, almost all that stuff in, in that lease that you didn't read, mm, why not, is there to protect the landlord. Never forget that. I don't want you to be too nasty to your landlord, okay? All right, all right. We'll talk about renting from a land, from, you know, from an owner's point of view later on. Slide number six: Living in rental property. If you can dis- demonstrate that you are a good tenant, sometimes the landlord will keep your rent increases to a minimum, and, and you should ask that. You should say, "Look, look at what I've done. I've kept it in good uh, condition because a good tenant, folks, is worth the lower rent to a landlord." Yeah, yeah. When you hear the horror stories from landlords, you will know quickly that they are most interested in having somebody who's going to take care of the property. I used to think that it was hard to beat some of the stories I've heard and seen, if you can believe it. Somebody changing their oil of their motorcycle in the living room. But oh boy, I've heard worse since that. At the end of the lease, clean and leave the unit in same condition you received it. Provide the landlord with a new address for deposit. Require that any deductions from your deposit be documented. Now, the landlord knows what they're doing. They're going to make sure they do this because the state of California is fairly tilted towards the the uh, renter, towards the, the person who rented the place. If there's no documentation, they're going to say, Mr. Landlord, Ms. Landlord, you, you give, give that security back, deposit back. So um, make sure you've um, taken pictures, gone through a walkthrough, and said, you know, this look, this is how nice it is. You might wind up in small claims court anyway. And as I said, if it's not documented well, the courts will normally lead toward the lean toward the renter. Now, okay, so that was renting, right? We're going through this quickly. I apologize if it's too fast, but. If you have any questions, contact me. But the the problem I have when I pontificate about housing is it's so subjective. Uh, we're gonna, we talked about cars, the same thing. These are such subjective, meaning, you know, this is how I see the world. This is how I see the world. And uh, so I go through it quickly. But if you have, have questions or concerns or want to put them up on the bulletin boards, please do. 
Alright, so we're going to own a house. I do, I don't, you know, Mrs. Real Estate Agent, Mr. Real Estate Agent, I'm not trying to persuade people from owning a home. Not at all. It's called the American dream, owning your own home. Well, for a lot of people, especially the last you know, decade, the American dream turned into a nightmare. They lost everything, folks. Everything. And some of them are still struggling to keep their houses. And some of them won't be able to. We'll see when we when you you're, you're going to take a look at the uh, the uh, Zillow presentation. You're going to see exactly what happened to prices uh, in the last decade. It's been it's been a it's been a disaster. It's been a horror show. It's been a death and destruction and desolation and dissolution. What are some of the other advantages? Well, reduced income taxes. We saw in Chapter Three how that mortgage interest deduction. Is your homeowner's friend, uh, Schedule A, and get to deduct the property taxes, state income taxes, and then all the other things on Schedule A, such as charitable contributions and the like. You do build equity by paying down the loan and by price appreciation. Normally, what happens to housing prices? Yes, they normally go up. Are we in normal times? No. They seem to be ticking upward. They seem, but folks, as far as I'm concerned, I think we're still bouncing along the bottom. We've been bouncing along the bottom since about 2008, when uh, most of the houses hit bottom, 2008, 2009. And so far, we've been sort of bouncing along. And every once in a while, it looks like, ooh, ooh, ooh. And then only to go, uh-oh. <laughs> and then, ooh, 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 uh-oh. And right now, we're in a ooh, ooh, ooh stage. And we'll see if it turns out to be another uh-oh. There are people who are, who make tremendous amounts of money predicting incorrectly, whether it's yippee or uh-oh. You listen to them on the news or watch them on the internet and they just, this is it, it's finally time, the housing is going to bottom and we're going to go up now. And others say, no, it's not going to do it. And who knows? Nobody really knows. They're just guessing, hoping they get it right. But I believe personally, it doesn't mean I'm right, but I believe that in five, ten years, this will have gotten behind us and housing will again start to appreciate along with the economy as the economy grows. We'll see. We'll find out in ten, five, ten years. Builds your credit rating. Oh, don't those credit agencies love you when you own a home? And for the most part, you get to express your individuality. Not so in some neighborhoods. Later. Slide number eight. What are disadvantages? Well, you got the financial security. Where do you get the down payment? That's people's often biggest hurdle. That's why one of our example goals in chapter one was to start your down payment uh, um, fund because it's not going to magically, mystically appear on your on its own. Home values could drop. People used to go, yeah, right. Now they're going, yeah, right. Limited mobility. Is a house a liquid investment? Hell no. Excuse my French. No, homes are the, and real estate in general, are the poster child. They're the poster children. Homes and, and other types of real estate are the poster children for illiquid investments, which is a fancy way of saying it takes three, six, nine months to sell the place. Some places haven't sold in three years. Now, during the run-up of the uh, bubble in 2005, six, and seven, houses were selling in one week. You put the sign up, 
put it online 2000, in, in, in 2005 or so on a Thursday evening. And then by Saturday, you got four or five, uh, uh, four or five uh, offers. It was that fast. That's not normal, folks. And and just you know, it's just it's it obviously it couldn't continue. We fooled ourselves in thinking it could continue with disastrous results. And then remember, we talked about the uh, individual expression. Well, not everybody has that. If you live in a condo or houses with zoning and conditions codes and restrictions that say you can't paint your house purple now i don't know about you but i have no intention of painting my house purple but if you told me i couldn't paint my house purple i'd probably do it just to but that's why i don't live in a gated community with um everybody having their lawn mode and all that stuff higher living costs what did we say about 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 um rent owning right all their things being equal, and they never are, but comparing apples to apples in terms of what you're owning versus what you're renting, owning is almost always going to be more expensive in the short to intermediate term. Okay, you got to pay taxes, the maintenance is all on you, any improvements, you have to do them. Now, once you've lived in it for a long time, and, and time and inflation and other things have happened, it can be cheaper than renting. In fact, we hope in the long term, that we pay the darn thing off and it's ours after only 360, <laughs> 30 years, 99 more years. Yeah, yeah, okay. So so am I trying to dissuade you from buying? No, just so you understand, there are disadvantages. Slide number nine, when I'm with a group of baby boomers, Often, you know, the topic of investments will come up and someone will say, Ah, well, my house is the best investment I've ever made. And if you scratch the surface, you know, eventually they'll they'll fess up. Yeah, well, of course, it's pretty much the only investment I've ever made. Except for that penny stock my brother-in-law, the ex-stockbroker, conned me into buying. But that that's worthless now. And those gold coins I bought way back when the first Gulf War started back in 1990. What did I do with those things anyways? I sure hope they're in. The, you, you, you see, as far as I'm concerned, now you're going to hear things, different things from different people. A house is a home first, an investment second. It's where you live. The investment part is gravy. It's great, fantastic, but you're going to live there. Now you're going to hear from other individuals who'll say, "Oh no, 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 you don't understand." This, you're going to live there, sure, but it's an investment first because you're going to move here where the prices are rising the fastest and then after three years you're going to sell that and move to this other place where, where prices by then will be rising and you know who they usually are? They're usually your friends who are real estate brokers who make a commission every time you buy and sell. Anyway, slide number 10. But what about San Diego, huh, Payano, huh? Well, prices in San Diego have gone down in the past. Some people will say, no, they didn't, no, they didn't, no, they didn't. I remember sitting in class, and this was in during the run-up of the, um, the property taxes, property uh, values in 2000s, in the mid-2000s, and people saying, my my real estate professor told us that real estate's never gone down in San Diego. And I say, that's ridiculous. Sure it did. It happened in 90, 91, 92. It happened before then. Yeah. Right now, they seem to be going down. Actually, they seem to be 
popping up just a little bit? It's hard to tell. But how far they will drop is uncertain. But consider, it is not as though San Diego is all of a sudden becoming an undesirable place to live. Sure, they might be 10% down next year. They might be 10% up. But if you want to live here, I think as a long-term investment, it's a good deal. But remember, as far as I'm concerned, it's a home first. If you plan on staying here, by all means, buy whatever you can afford. And I'll tell you where I think the best deals are. San Isidro and National City. Ew, you live in National City? Yeah. For me, the most important thing is can you walk? Can you easily bike? That's the most important thing for a place I live. I know it sounds bizarre. But both those cities are low cost because they have unsavory reputations. They're nice places, actually. If you, you know, you know, we're not talking about National City in the 1970s, you know. <laughs> and uh, and you can, they're very central to, uh, I mean, they have little central areas where you can walk around. In fact, San Isidro in commercial real estate is one of the most expensive rents in the county. Hard to believe, isn't it? It's because of all the cross-border uh, commercial traffic. If you're interested in the beach, Imperial Beach is also a great beach value, folks. So the South Bay is where it's at. Slide number 11. So this is for the, um, you know, this is for the face-to-face -face class. Do you own your own home? A, B, speaking of insane Diego, yes, we do. No, we don't. And of those who do not own, I want to get a feel for how many plan on purchasing a home in San Diego. A, I am determined to do it. Yes, I am. B, maybe, but not for many years. No, I will continue to rent here in San Diego. Or D, no, I am moving somewhere else. I'm moving to a cheaper area. So, obviously, where, do you, what do you, where are you on that? Slide number 13. I saw this sign, and I will never forget it. I just laughed, and just, I thought it was the best sign. It was uh, North County. Over a desk in a San Diego office, North County. Please, God, let there be another real estate boom. And I promise I won't piss it all away this time. You think she did in 2005, 6? You know, we'll never know. I lost track of her. Um, um, slide 14. What are the main elements of buying a home? Well, the real estate agents will say location, location, and location. Isn't that cute? Yeah, the three main important, three most important elements of buying a home. No, the most important thing is getting the down payment. <laughs> That's the most important thing. And if you didn't start a down payment fund, a goal for yourself, where are you going to do it? Well, many people will go to the parents or grandparents. And remember in Chapter 5 we said, don't do that. Don't borrow money to family. Don't lend, borrow money from family. Don't lend to family members. Well, here's the exception. And why? Because it's a business deal. You have grandparents or grand or parents who have some cash and they want to invest. They could come up with the down payment, and you, the younger folks, usually with the you know kid on the way or whatever, uh, live in the house, make the payments, keep the house up. All the names are on the um, the uh, 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 title, right? And then you share in the appreciation of the equity. It's called equity sharing. It's a great deal when housing prices go up, as they normally do. Was it a good deal seven, eight years ago in the middle of the nine years ago? No, it wasn't. Actually, it was a pretty bad deal because everybody fell down. But think about it, folks. 
preferably you're going to, yes, you're going to have your own down payment. Go get pre-approved. Talk to a credit union, talk to a bank, talk to a mortgage broker. They're going to basically ask you for your cash flow statements and net worth statements. Now, they're, they're not going to um, ask you if you have them. If you bring them, they're going to be very impressed. But they have their own software and their own things to do. What are points? What are points? Well, uh, points are the things at the end of a stick that you poke people in the eye with. And uh, the, that's a different point. This point is somewhat close. It's uh, 1%. Every point is 1% of the loan amount. And we discussed this in the commentary and the like. So if you uh, get a loan for, say, $300,000 for a home, they're going to charge you one or two or maybe zero, depending on the, the mortgage company, points. So if it's one point, $3,000 they're going to charge you. And folks, that's a commission. That's just for the privilege of getting the loan. It's called a loan origination fee. And traditionally, it started off as the commission to the loan mortgage broker, to the mortgage broker. But now, uh, you know, the, the banks and credit unions and mortgage companies keep it themselves. Closing costs. Well, we'll take a look at closing costs in more detail later on. But why are they called closing costs? Because you close your eyes and sign. No, no, it's a joke. It's not real. No, you don't close your eyes. But sometimes you do because you know it's coming and you just look at all these different, um, uh, all these different things and you go, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, is this, is this, oh, you just close your eyes. Now, we're going to learn how to compute the principal and interest for a mortgage. We're going to learn how to do that in the, well, in, in it, in the, it's a, um, it, we do it in the next presentation, but we don't do it together. There's a, a, a handout and a commentary and an answer key for that. But most of the mortgages now want you to not only pay the principal and the interest, but they also want you to pay the taxes and insurance every month. Because you pay the taxes twice a year, the two worst times of the year, Christmas and tax time in April. Bizarre. I don't know where they got up that idea. The county has got a real good sense of humor, if you ask me. Um, and uh, uh, in insurance you pay once a year. So they don't trust you. <laughs> they want you to pay for it every month. And so they amortize, which means stretch it out over the year. And, of course... You have to consider that it's your home you're going to be spending on maintenance, folks. And you see a lot of homes in the neighborhood and other many neighborhoods that have deferred maintenance. They basically say, oh, I'll worry about it later. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Slide number 15. Assess the types of housing that can be purchased. Well, the most popular, the one that's the most desirable is the single family dwelling with the white picket fence and the 2.3 kids out in the backyard with the dog. Well, may not be, might not be for you. Maybe a duplex is a better deal. You can live in one and rent out the other. Not bad. Townhouses are different than condominiums. They're attached, but you own the house and the walls. Condominiums are very different. You really don't own the building. You know, you, you, you own the... People say you own the four walls. Well, you don't even own the four walls. You really own the space inside the four walls. That Those four walls are actually owned by the homeowners, Home Association, the uh, Condominium Association. So it's more of a form of ownership, really. And these condo associations can be just 
unbelievably uh, picky and 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 they're they're a great uh, uh, hangout for 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 people who have no life of their own and want to impose their their uh, form of, of dictatorship on others. Trust me on that one. Now co-ops you don't see too much on the West Coast, but they're they're very popular in the East Coast, especially in New York. Are very very um, exclusive cooperatives. You buy in and rent out a unit, and uh, and uh, a lot of times it was done with uh, the idea of appreciation involved, and and being seen in one of these co-ops was uh, was um, was a sign of success. <laughs> And not too much here. Slide number 16. Manufactured homes. Mobile homes. Wait a minute. Would you live in a mobile home? In a trailer park or a mobile home park? Hmm. Well, there's a definite social stigma attached, isn't there? Yes, there is. But, folks, but the truth is that many of these things are really quite nice. The manufactured homes, the mobile homes, and all other things being equal, they are going to be much cheaper than a uh, conventional home. Uh, there is some safety issues, and the big problem with these things is not the uh, the home itself, but the fact that it will depreciate. It becomes kind of like a mobile home. Unless you own the land underneath the home, which is very difficult to do here in San Diego, um, you're going to wind up um, uh, seeing your value of your home depreciate, which is actually an excellent opportunity. Why? Because just like buying a used car, you'll see people who are ready to move out for whatever reason. They need to go to the nursing home because they're aging or they want to move or whatever. And you could pick up one of these mobile homes for you know, very little money, folks. We're talking ten, twelve thousand dollars. Now, what's the problem? You have to pay rent to the mobile home park owner, the land underneath. It's very difficult to get the land here in San Diego. Why? Because most of the developers have already scarfed it all up. Slide number seventeen. Some tips for mobile and manufactured homes. Avoid buying a complete package. Because you will usually end up overpaying somewhere. Where? Usually in the financing. If you can, which is difficult in San Diego unless you go out East County, buy the land. If you can find it and if you can afford it, buy the land. Why? Because your home will appreciate. Get a warranty on the installation of the home as well as the manufacturing of the home. Why? Because the home itself, they're usually very well built. It's the installation that is often the most troublesome aspect. And if the dealer will not provide a warranty, walk away because obviously they, they, are, they, they know the drill. This is their job. And try to you know, go to the credit union beforehand because this is where the dealers make the most money through the financing. So they will want you to finance at a very high rate relative to a conventional mortgage. Now, you're not going to get... Uh, the same rate as a, a single family home because they just they just don't do that the mortgage lenders won't do that but you'll do a whole lot better if you go to your credit union and talk to them first okay so do you want to be considered trailer trash well don't rule it out because it could be a whole lot cheaper than what you're snooty neighbors across the street are thinking who are paying who are thinking that you are the trailer trash 
Well, they're the ones who are cash flow negative. Slide number 18. Would you have a house built? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. There are dozens and dozens of stories about contractors, and many of them are not good. Does your contractor have needed experience? Do they have a good working relationship with us, with all the subcontractors, architects, suppliers, electricians, plumbers, carpenters, and others? What assurances do you have about quality? What are the payment arrangements? What delays will be considered legitimate? Because there are always delays. Did you go to get a good referral? Did you get a contractor who's licensed and insured? We have a story that we just love to tell anybody who's willing to listen. So here we are. We had an acquaintance around the corner that we were acquaintances because of our child. Our child was, I don't know, two years old or so, and their children, I think, were four and one. So he was right in between the two girls, and they played together because they're, you know, they're kids. But <clears throat> we always felt that we were, you know, not the right stock. And obviously, when our son went to the um, the public school in the neighborhood, it was it was confirmed that we were not the right stock. So, okay, we're pleasant, and we don't see him that much anymore. But anyway, we saw him several years after uh, our son was in the public school system and their daughters were in the private school system. And they were talking about this horrible thing that had happened to them, and we were we were so, oh, so uh, supportive and, and, and considerate, and I was inside laughing. My They were told by a contractor at least he said he was a contractor, that they could have their roof ripped off, pulled off the top of the house, and a second story built in two weeks. And they believed him. I don't know where the guy rounded up some people or whatever. He ripped off the, the, uh, the roof and then promptly checked himself into rehab because he, hadn't, he couldn't remember what had happened to him for the last two months. Yeah, he was in a drunken stupor and told these people that he could build a second story in their house in two weeks. They lived with their parents for the next six months. So just remember that, okay, when you get a contractor. Okay! <clears throat> you know, isn't it terrible to, 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 to take delight in other people's misery? I don't usually do it, folks, but in this case, I'll make an exception. Um, when we return, we will go through the process of actually buying a home and, and discuss all the features. Well, not all. I mean, there's no way we can discuss all the features in less than several days. But we'll discuss the, the most important things that you're going to experience when you buy a home. There's a reason they call it buyer's remorse. But most people who buy a home eventually are very happy with their purchase unless they purchased in 2006. See you next time.